0: Bonjour à tous et bienvenue dans cette édition spéciale de Fintech Insiders. Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Benjamin Ensor. The good news for our French listeners is that you won't hear much more of my terrible French accent. And we have some properly French guests for today's episode in which we're going to be talking about French fintech. Paris is home to more than a thousand fintech companies, And the French capital is looking to close the gap on London and eventually the US, according to leading figures in both uh, the industry and the government in France. But what does the French fintech market look like? What technologies are paving the way? And what opportunities uh, does France offer fintech founders? Before we start, uh, we just want to tell you about some of the things we're working on here at 11FS and have a quick word from our sponsors. Temenos is a
1: world leader in banking software, helping over 3,000 banks deliver outstanding banking experiences to more than 1.2 billion people. SCALE 2021 is Temenos' dedicated, free-to-attend virtual developer event. It includes customer presentations, product demos, roadmap sessions, as well as opportunities for you to speak with Temenos experts. You'll also hear insights from industry leaders on current technology trends and how they impact banking today. Whether you're a developer, consultant, or business user, discover the latest in banking technology with Temenos software. Search Temenos Scale
2: 2021 to find out more. Fintech Meetup is the world's largest fintech meeting event. We're facilitating more than 30,000 meetings for 4,000 participants. It takes place online March 8th to the 10th, 2022. Join startups, established fintechs, investors, banks and credit unions, media analysts, and much, much more as they come together for partnership discussions, vendor presentations, investment pitches, and other meaningful collaborations. For more information and to get your ticket, go to www.fintechmeetup.com.
1: Okay,
0: so let's get started. As always, I'm not alone, but I'm joined by a panel of amazing guests who can shed some light on all things Francaise. So firstly, making his fintech insider debut, we have Clément Boulet. General Manager of France, or oh, France, <laughs> at Trulair. Welcome to the show, Clément. Um, our regular listeners will be familiar with Trulair, but can you give us some insight into your role, your background, and Trulair's activities in France?
3: For sure, Benjamin. And again, uh, thanks for having us here. Uh, so as you mentioned, that, uh, really properly, I'm the French general manager for Trulia. Uh As you guys know, we've uh, been the leading provider of open banking in Europe uh, and soon globally. Um, uh, we, of course, focus, you know, on the instant payments, recurring payments, and, of course, uh, all of that being really value-friendly. In the flesh, it means that if you top up your account with Revolut, uh, you buy yourself a car via Kazoo, or you invest on uh, in free trade, that's actually using our solutions. And on personal matter, I'm sure we're going to discuss a lot of that. I've been in the, in the industry for about 10 years. I was a partner at MangoPay, which is a payment gateway for marketplaces. And I'm sure, for sure, we're going to talk about that. I led the, the scale-up relations at the French Ministry of Finance.
0: Merci. So uh, our next guest has the classically French name of Paddy O'Neill. And um, before you think 11FS has lost the plot, I should explain that Paddy is head of sales uh, UK and Ireland at Spendesk, which is, of course, one of France's most successful uh, fintechs. So thank you for being here, Paddy. Welcome to the show. Do you want to tell listeners a little bit about Spendesk and its origins?
4: Yeah, absolutely, Benjamin. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing an Irishman uh, into this very esteemed audience. So I'm very excited to be speaking with uh, the panel today. So for folks who don't know Spendesk, um, it's been quite a journey. So founded in 2016 out of eFounders in Paris with a pretty simple mission, really. So the founders of Spendesk really felt that around 2016 and, and times before, it was easy To spend money in your personal life. This fintech revolution I think was really coming into B2C that it was very very straightforward to spend money but once that got into a business once you got into the business realms of trying to spend money as a business what happened was paper processes, PO systems and everything that really just on one side blocked employees from doing what they need to do which is to be free to spend money so that they can contribute to the business and then on the other side really created so many problems for the finance team and finance teams have been constrained I think by these processes that have never been really built with them in mind with the idea of spending money should be easy it should be controlled and it should be and I think with with all people in the business they should be liberated I think from the constraints that these processes um, drive so it's been a very interesting journey uh, for us, so over, over the past, um, just, I think we just turned um, six, so over the past uh, six years, um, we've grown to 300 people, and that is based uh, both primarily in our HQ in Paris, but also offices in Berlin, here in London, and in San Francisco. So it's really been a really great journey with now over 300 spendeskers, as we call it. And very, very excited to not only see what the future lies, but I think hopefully keep flying the flag for French fintechs, um, both in Europe and maybe further abroad.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Paddy. Um, and finally, making up our three-person panel, we are joined by Didier Lalamont, Managing Director at Société Générale Ventures. Didier, bienvenue. Thank you for joining us. What do listeners need to know about Société Générale Ventures?
5: Well, good morning, everyone. Happy to be here with you. Actually, I'm speaking from Monday, 2020. So being really at the heart of uh, what uh, FinTech is doing in Europe. So Société Générale Ventures, uh, we created uh, this uh, small team So, within Société Générale, reporting to uh, uh, the uh, innovation department about three years ago. Um, I have a personal background in finance, spent a year building a, or trying to build a, a startup in 2018 and then joined a, a 2019 to build a, the team. So we are really there, our mission, core mission is to help all the businesses in Société Générale around the world to identify, qualify opportunities to partner and invest in order to partner for, you know, strategic long-term relationship with startups. So we're covering all the businesses of Société Générale, which are, you know, going from, of course, retail banking, capital markets, insurance, mobility with ALD. So very wide range of uh, businesses and uh, finding the right partners. We are both looking at investing minority stakes, but also acquisitions. And we also finance, create our own startups and create subsidiaries that we finance, that we fund uh, in order to develop new businesses uh, like the one, for example, we did with the SG-Forge and the uh, securities uh, tokenization.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. It's great to have you all um, here on the show. So thank you and welcome. So let's get started. So we thought we should start by just taking a look at the French sort of fintech market as a whole. There's been so much change over the, you know, the past few years, so many exciting developments. Um it's kind of hard to characterize it all in in in, you know, a few words. Um but you know, perhaps I could start by asking you what what each of you thinks has been the sort of most interesting or most exciting change in in the French uh, fintech market over the past uh, sort of year or so. Um perhaps we should start uh, perhaps we should go back to you Clement to start.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, that's actually a great question. It is. Uh, well done. Uh, no, it has changed a lot for sure. First of all, I have to say that now every entrepreneur or startup or fintech I meet are actually looking at European scale first, which is for sure a big change of mentality and, uh, and ambition. Um, as you can say, uh, Paddy, you're actually a great example of that. Uh, now we you know you have uh, multicultural uh, teams, which is actually a great, great uh, asset for every, of course, uh, global providers. And I have to say that the VC are, are pouring billions into uh, France now. Uh, you're a great example again, Paddy, but uh, did as well. Of course, you, you, know, you know that uh, better than anyone. And I have to say that... Um, they're more and more aggressive on the market, um, which is also a good sign, of course, of the ambition. Um, And a personal note, I actually appreciate that a lot of them are more and more B2B, uh, but actually we have a B2C coming up, which is actually
0: pretty high. Super interesting. Didier, what do you think? Do you you agree with that? Do you see other things as well?
5: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the landscape has changed quite a lot in in the past. Two years. Uh, the first thing, really, for me, noticeable is the maturity of the market. I mean, when you look at you know the average size of the uh, the fund raisings, uh, it, it's really it has grown multiples. Uh, if you see now, you know, and the likes of TrueLayer and and, and Spendesk, but a uh, uh, you know hundred million, well, it's not you know something unusual. Whereas two years ago, uh, it, it really was. And that's also because you have newcomers in terms of the investors, of course, CVCs like Société Générale, and there has been, uh, you know, some... Uh, uh, interesting, uh, uh, activity from CVCs in, uh, in Europe and especially in France, but also, you know, VCs coming from both Asia and the U S, uh, because to be honest, uh, looking, even though the valorizations and the, the values have, you know, skyrocketed, they're still probably very interesting compared to other places in the world.
0: Very interesting. Paddy, what's your perspective on, on France?
4: Yeah, I think, um, probably echoing quite a lot, um, from both Clermont and Didier, I think, interesting thing. Now, I'm in the world of B2B fintech, but I think the interesting thing is you have some French companies with serious ambition in the B2B space to really, I think, drive the future of work in many senses. So if you think about your how you're spending money, how you're ins- doing insurance for your employees, these type of things. And they're starting, I think, driving with serious ambition I think the interesting, as Clement said, to really dominate in Europe, um, showing that I think people are seeing that Europe is a very, very viable market to build a billion-euro company and above. Now, I don't think you know, there's great, it's great opportunity in America, of course, and I think a lot of companies will think about that US expansion. But I think one of the, the interesting trends is people are now saying, you know, we can double down on the European market and really focus our efforts there. And then when the time is right, potentially move to to the US. So I think that's been a very, very interesting trend. And alongside that with the fundraising, I think when you think about France, I believe um, Paris, if you think about Berlin, Paris, London, I think Paris will be the fastest growing in terms of year on year amount being raised. Um, now still I think a little bit to go to catch up with, with, with London but it's growing very 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 quickly um, and I think that's just shown great validation into the products that are being built from France um, the technical founders that you have in France which I think is, is validation of even some of the government supports and, and initiatives that, that they've put in place that you are finding this ecosystem is being built and um, of you know the next generation of really really stalwart companies and i think that's that's fascinating to see um, it evolve over the last 3 4 years but what the next 3 or 4 years hold i think is is really very exciting for france french tech but in particular french fintech
0: that's so interesting because because last year the um, the junior government minister I think it was junior digital minister, minister Cedric O oh, said that Paris would overtake London as the European capital for fintechs. Now, given what you were just saying, Paddy, about the rapid growth of fintech in in particularly in Paris and Clement, some of what you were saying, uh, do you think he was right? Do you think uh, do you think the, fin- the size of the fintech businesses in in Paris will overtake uh, London? Um Clément, I think you, you, your previous role was was head of startup engagement at La French Tech, sort of backed by the French government. So I imagine you've got a, a, a strong view on this. For sure.
3: And uh, I quite worked with Cédric and Cédric's team, so <laughs> I'm actually um, kind of knowing um, how I would say that. But let's just start by saying, if, you know, in France, we have top world banks, such as uh, Sogjen uh, for sure, BNP, Credit Recall, those are like in top 15 banks in the world. That's, that's just a fact. Then you have like a JP Morgan coming up, you know, opening his European office in Paris lately. Talent is here. Uh, Paddy mentioned it, but it's actually really important. You know, um, uh, we have Polytechnique. I, I am in, in Amsterdam right now, the same as Didier. Uh, and um, fact is, I've met so many people that went to INSEAD, to Polytechnique, to HEC, and that's actually a really really great um, outcome for, for, of course, the the French, but also for foreign countries to come here and uh, actually have the right talent to support. And if I may say, because we're talking a lot about VC, and uh, so, of course, the end consumers is, is actually, you know, do we do things better? Do we solve problems day to day basis? And this is like the main question we should ask ourselves every day when we woke up. But Fact is, a proof of concept for that is VC. The VC ecosystem in France now is just crazy. Uh, so in 24 hours, uh, for the last 24 hours, Soare, so it's NFTs, uh, they just raised $680 million. Send the app, the guys are like five months of existence. They just raised 100 million uh, euros a day. And this is just a fact, or Lydia Spendesk doing 100 million won. Uh, That's That's so great. That's so great, both for, for the French startups going abroad, but also, of course, to attract great companies such as us uh, to tackle
0: the French market. Didier, um, any thoughts? Are you, are you seeing the same thing? I mean, you're, you're saying your money 2020, are you seeing um, more French, more French businesses there, you know, more French businesses growing across Europe? Are you, are you seeing the same picture?
5: Yeah, I think, you know, French, uh, as mentioned, uh, is really growing very fast. So, you know, the starting point is definitely uh, much, you know, below the the, the starting point from London or or even uh, uh, Germany. Germany being spread around different cities. But what I think is striking is um, France has been really organizing itself. Uh, And, you know, for example, we're going to hold the first French fintech week uh, a couple of weeks from now. And, you know, this is an effort, a joint effort by a number of participants that were holding separate events at separate timings and so on. And, you know, it's just it strikes the mind that when you align governance, AMF, ACPR, the uh, VCs, uh, the French FinTech, when you align everyone then you get a scale you get a critical mass that will attract and uh, we are a partner of this wave which is uh, you know uh, becoming the biggest incubator of fintechs in europe and, and you know they're announcing their uh, expansion and i think having government bodies, regulators, uh, which, you know, FCA has done a great job, you know, promoting London and fintechs in London. And we were probably a little bit late in France, but we're really catching up. And I think we have all actors aligned to, you know, I don't know how long it will take to catch up with London, but at least to, to really have a uh Great great development of fintechs in, uh, in, in
0: France. you just made a really interesting point about Germany and about how um, sort of fintech and, and, and technology more widely is, is spread across many different German cities whereas France actually much like Ireland and, and the UK or, or at least England is sort of dominated by you know the capital city. Is, is French fintech really just Paris Fintech? Um, are you seeing much happening in sort of Bordeaux or Lyon, Marseille?
5: Figures, you know, uh, facts are that, you know, most of the fintechs uh, are, are, are located in Paris or around, around Paris. Lyon, I would say, is, you know, probably picking up. Uh, uh, Bordeaux and Marseille, you know, probably a little bit uh, less, uh, especially on fintech. It's, it's different if you open up to, you know, startups uh, as a whole. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's a fact that, you know, all the major banks, the headquarters are in Paris part for very few ones and and, uh, on the retail bank you have more diversity there but i think it's you know it's not only fintech it's the way france is organized Uh, so i you know i don't see it changing in in you know at least the next two to three years okay
0: Let's let's move on and uh, talk a little bit about some of the trends in sort of innovation and some which of the technologies uh, are being pursued by fintechs in in, in France. Um, so you know, Paddy and, and Clément, you were both talking a little bit about some of the, the, the funding that's that's gone into fintech in France. I think we saw something like four billion euros in VC funding raised by fintech startups in 2019, which was triple. The amount in 2015, uh, making France one of the fastest-growing tech hubs in Europe. In 2020, um, you know, despite the pandemic, there was five billion. Um, in 2021, there's 5.6 billion raised already. So, you know, we're seeing more and more money flowing into into French fintech. Um, what's been the what's been the catalyst? What's what's driving this? Um, wh- where's where's this this coming from? who would like to take that one.
4: I suppose from, from from relatively recently, so I think Spendesk um, very excitedly make up a little piece of that five point six billion thus far this year. Indeed, indeed. So I know that we um, Spendesk raised what a uh, hundred million euros just about from General General Atlantic um, just earlier on this summer, and I think it's it's been very interesting to see the amount of investment coming through. Um, I think it goes back to, you know, uh, and Clément, I think you made a very good point. Yes, the investment is great, but it's an, it's an outcome, I think, of solving real problems. Like if the, if the companies here, the French companies or wherever the companies are, if they're not solving real problems for real customers, there's no business there. And let's face it, like the, these VC guys, they don't mess around. They, they know um, how, to, how to spot a business. And I think it goes back to, I think, some points that are already made. Um, it's very clear that it's been prioritized by the French government, and they are taking steps to create the conditions for success for companies, for companies, especially in the fintech um, standpoint. I think Didier made a good point around there's also um, a strong banking background. there's like there's the banking foundation within, within France as well, which helps to these conditions of success. Alongside that, I do think, and if you look at some of the founders and founding teams that you're seeing with these startups, they're from, as you said, you know, Polytechnique. They're they're from good schools, or maybe they're just technical in background. So they're solving these problems from the first principle. And to me, I think what this starts to really bring up, and you know, you start to get this idea that success breeds more success, and you end up with this ecosystem. And now I think when you think about investment and why I think you know France in general, I think in tech is the fastest growing um, you know, probably in the EU in terms of total investment made, is that you have an ecosystem, almost a, a shopping a shopping mall for these VCs to actually say, you know what, I want to see what's happening in France. Because I can search in to France, I can see these great companies every single day spend as You know, again, we have a lot of work still to do, but we think we've done all right. But you have your Alans or you have your AgiCaps or all of these companies across the broad spectrum that I think are just solving real problems for real customers. And to be honest, VCs are waking up to see that probably my kind of my two cents um, when it comes to what's driving this.
0: I was interested that um, some of the, fun- as you, you mentioned, some of the funding from Spendest coming from General Atlantic, of course, an, an American firm. Didier, is, is that a pattern that you're seeing, that you're seeing more investment coming in from other countries? Or is it really f- some of the French banks and French investors you know, really leading some of the investment into French fintech?
5: From, you know, the maturity and and, and what type of uh, uh, series you're, you're raising. So where we're seeing definitely, you know, uh, American and Asian uh, investors are on the you know the bigger the bigger rounds. Uh, when you when you look at it, the hundred million or above, uh, pretty much all of those rounds uh, you have either an American or uh, an Asian uh, VC uh, or CVC involved. Uh, whereas on the you know the seed, Series A and B, uh, you still tend to have you know more uh, French or European uh, VCs. But, you know, for me, it's, it's a reflection also of, you know, the maturity of the ecosystem. Uh, and, and, we've seen recently announcements by, you know, the leading French or, or European VCs that are uh, raising, you know, very significant uh, amounts to, to create funds that will be able to compete, uh, with the, uh, uh Americans and the, uh, the Asian ones, uh, in, in that field. Maybe to come back to your question, uh, what has struck me really is, uh, 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 the insurance part, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's very noticeable to see, you know, all those uh, great successes uh, in, in the uh, insure tech uh, in France. Uh, insurance in France was, you know, kind of a locked down <laughs> business for so long. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in a couple of years, uh, it, it's really transforming. And, and the, the growth of those actors, uh, it's very impressive.
0: Yes, uh, we were going to come on to regulation a little bit later, and I was thinking back to some of the sort of um, patterns in French insurance regulation in the past, but um, we'll come We'll come on to that. Um, Didier, you've just been making some really interesting points about sort of European champions and, and European business, and Paddy, you were sort of referring it to it as well. Um, President Macron has has talked about Europe needing European solutions, you know, to reduce its dependence on the sort of American tech giants. Um are we seeing sort of Macron's hopes for European solutions being reflected in sort of French government support for, for, for startups? Um, I mean, Clément, maybe you've got a perspective on that. Are we, are we, are we seeing um, sort of useful uh, actions by the French government? You know, we're used to sort of looking at Singapore and Hong Kong and looking at sort of progressive regulation there. Are you seeing good things coming from the French government, things other governments can learn from?
3: Um, yeah, t- totally. Um, um. First of all, 10 years ago, if if you were like any financial institution and you were about to talk to the ACPR, which is the French FCA, uh, you were kind of scared, you know. Um, that was like your big day. So we could prepare for like two weeks prior to this meeting. Actually, right now, um, and I'm, I'm sure the FCA is exactly the same. It's really open-minded uh, and we can actually talk, you know, on like a direct uh, basis, which is actually great. So... You know, President Macron thinking is that, uh, China and the US, uh, are becoming more and more powerful and that, uh, you know, we need an alternative in between. And Europe as a whole is this alternative. So it translates in many budget, uh, budget plan on European level. You know, we have hydrogen plan, uh, you know, pouring billion into hydrogen. We have cloud plan, uh, making alternatives for AWS, for example, OVH, OVH. Um, so yeah, for sure, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be big. But let's not forget that big companies have to go globally, uh, and and again, the consumers' needs are everywhere, and that's uh, that's what we should focus on.
0: Brilliant. Let's talk a little bit about technologies. one of the um, one of the sort of technology areas that France has, for a long time, been a, a leader in is artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. um, with you know French computer scientist. I get this name horribly wrong. Uh, Yann LeCun, mm-hmm. I think ologist Clément, yeah, I'm sure I got that wrong. You did perfectly <laughs> <Thank you, man. laughs> you well. Know, he's considered, you know, a, a sort of godfather of AI. You know, France has a strong AI heritage, and yet there's some fears of, you know, French uh, talented French engineers and so on going overseas and so on. How is France doing with sort of artificial intelligence startups? Um, how do you see the picture for that? Um, I'm not sure if it's got a strong view there. Maybe Didier, perhaps, would do, write. Uh,
5: as you said, we we certainly have, you know great engineers and very very strong uh, engineering foundation and and mathematics uh, uh, which are you know really needed to 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 progress probably what we're or you know we have to work on is availability of data because it's one thing you know having the right tech but if you don't have the data available to train and 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 really you know get those uh, uh ai to to create use cases that are you know really creating and solving problems, then then that's an issue. And, you know, it's not uh, I mean, everyone knows that Europe has been more careful uh, about, you know, how to manipulate the data uh, compared to uh, some countries in in Asia or even in the US. Uh, So I think You know, this is probably where we need to find a balance uh, because AI is going to change and and disrupt a number of, you know, uh, processes and and ways of doing things. And in Europe, if we're, you know, too cautious, too slow to, uh, uh, you know, liberate the data so that uh, we can get the the right usage of uh, all this intelligence uh, uh, and this engineering capacity, then we're going to be late. And I guess that's, you know, it's, it's a really difficult topic because it, it touches, you know, uh, the culture, uh, uh, freedom and, and, and respecting a citizen's lives and not, uh, compromising data is something that is very strong in Europe, much more probably than anywhere else in the world. So it's, for me, it's, it's a real challenge. We've got very good foundations. Uh, but, uh, we see that, you know, we're, we're probably a little bit slow.
0: Such an, it's such an interesting area, isn't it? I'd love to spend half an hour on, on this topic, but I know the producers will tell me off if I do. <laughs> so let's move on, we'll have to have another episode on artificial intelligence. Um, I'd love to touch on open banking. Um, you know, it's been nearly four years since the introduction of PSD2 across Europe, uh, the UK, because it had its own regulations, so it was a little bit faster. Um, we've seen you know more and more uh, open banking providers moving into France, we've seen more and more activity. And of course, TrueLayer has, has recently expanded into to France as, as well, Clement. Let's come to you on this. Um, how do you see open banking sort of changing the French market? Um, you know what what um, what, what encouraged Truleur about the market. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on in open banking in France, please.
3: For sure, for sure. Plus, it's actually a great bridge from uh, you know data and Indeed. AI we just discussed. Uh, prior to that. But let's start by saying that you know uh, thanks to. Actually, regulation, you know, it it gives actual trust uh, for the end consumers. Uh, And PSD2, of course, uh, France was behind. And uh, that's why the open banking system in France is like, I don't know, 6 to 12 months behind the UK, I'd say. But, you know, there are patterns that are emerging day to day, you know. And France is like more mature markets. uh, And money 2020 is actually like (laughs) a great way to to see that. all of our clients, our prospects uh, are pointing friends as uh, we're already there, uh, or we're going to go like uh, yesterday. So what we're going to see in the markets is now, it's not just about data, it will be more and more about payment use cases, more complex flows, uh, I'm thinking about WealthTech for example, you'll see e-commerce application, um, such as the one we have seen with Kazoo right now in the UK. Uh, so yeah, France has now the ingredients to adopt open uh, opening quite broadly, I think the data is like 98% of, of uh, young kids or young adults from 18 to 24, uh, you know, use, uh, use new technology every day. So that's actually pretty big.
0: Fantastic. Okay, let's uh, take a quick pause here and then we'll be back very shortly.
1: The evolution of financial services has opened up a whole new world of possibilities for banks. But to harness those opportunities, they need to break free from traditional constraints. Our new report, in association with Emphasis Finical, explores how banks can overcome these challenges to see the full benefits of a truly digital world. Find the report at bit.ly forward slash banking business models.
2: There is a better way to hire internationally, and it starts with Deal. Everything from contract creation, record-keeping, payments, and full-time employment is all in one place for teams all over the world. Companies anywhere can hire compliantly everywhere thanks to Deal. It's payroll and compliance built for today's worldwide workforce. To learn more, visit Let's Deal forward slash 11FS. That's Let's Deal, D-E-E-L. Dot com forward slash eleven FS and redeem an exclusive offer of three months free when you hire a contractor and twenty percent for your first year when you hire an employee.
0: So let's continue by looking at some of the challenges and opportunities in the French market. I think one of the most interesting things about France is the way some of the French banks like uh, BPCE, uh, BNP Paribas, and of course Société Générale have made substantial investments in fintech. They've acquired successful startups like Trezor and Nickel. Uh, They set up their own digital subsidiaries. Um, I'm curious, which of these strategies are working for the banks and which ones are perhaps not doing you know, so well what's what's been effective or what hasn't worked so well, and Didier, I'm obviously going to come to you, and obviously I you know I'm not expecting you to um, <laughs> talk about things that haven't worked so well. But um, it, what, what what's been working for the French banks? You know how is the collaboration between the banks and the fintechs in France? Um, what what's going well, and, and you know what's maybe not going quite so well? What's proving more challenging?
5: Well, the, the, the first you know thing I would say is. Um we usually, and it's a very French, you know, approach, think about what is the strategy, is the strategy right? My personal belief is that, you know, is the execution right is much, you know, much better and much more difficult question. And, and if, when you look at the, uh, you know, experiments or, or you know, what, what French banks have been trying to do and whether they succeeded or not, for me, it's much more did they put the right people and and did they approach the corporation in the right way much more than did they pick the right actor? Uh, So, um, at least on Société side, I, I mentioned, you know, we're Uh, both uh, investing minority stakes, so, you know, creating partnerships uh, uh, with startups, but, you know, not controlling them, just being uh, one of the partners and one of the investors. And we also bought, as you mentioned, Rizor, we also bought Shine, we bought Rizocar in the mobility space. And so it's it's totally different play when you have to integrate, because, you know, when uh, you become a subsidiary of Société Générale, of course, you have to abide by a number of uh, uh, rules, uh, uh, compliance, uh, uh, you know, you become regulated because uh, you're a subsidiary of a regulated bank and for us it's really very important to uh, very well define what we want to do with the startup uh, and, and agree with that and we are very clear on what does it mean so uh, again uh, let's take you know shine uh, neobank uh, we had very you know detailed discussions with the founders on what it would mean Uh, for them and for Société Générale if we were to uh, become the majority stakeholder. So that there's no surprise because uh, I've seen a number of uh, acquisitions uh, that have failed. And my take is that, you know, people didn't understand what it would mean, the time that you have to spend in order to, you know, upgrade compliance, uh, put it at the banking standard because the regulator is going to look at you once you're a subsidiary in a different way than when you were a startup. That's the reality. So for me, really, it's a lot about execution, and our view is that, you know, you have to very clearly state it from the start, be very clear, not just say, you know, it's, uh, it looks good, let's do it, and then we'll sort it out, because that's probably, you know, very difficult uh, uh, time afterwards, so execution, much more than strategy.
0: Very, very interesting, and I love the uh, I love the insight into the French mindset.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you don't mind, Benjamin, I'd like also to point out some things that, you know, we as open banking provider, of course, collaborate with all with all the banks and, of course, with the likes of Société Générale and, and all others. Actually, I have to say that I'm, I'm really impressed with like the technicality and open-mindedness of uh, Société Générale, BNP, uh, Crédit Mutuel uh, technical team, you know, because. Basically, our job is just uh, to deliver the best uh, customer experience. So, you know, part of the job is actually like sharing expertise with the banks on how to make the, the API better, higher quality and, and better uptime. Um, and that's that's actually been a, a great journey. Uh, and uh, I'm sure uh, that has always been the case, but uh, I can see it's, it's easier and
0: easier every day. There was a really interesting report from the French Competition Authority uh, last year the the authority I'm going to get this wrong autorité de la concurrence um looking at um Clément and Didier, laughing just for the listeners. Um, <laughs> um, looking at the competition issues between the traditional banks and uh, the French fintechs, and, and you know the outcome was really actually the, you know the, the cooperation was was good. There were good partnership agreements and so on. Uh, has that been Spendesk's experience, Paddy? Have you, have you had similar experiences to Clément, finding that, that you know good relationships with with French French firms, French banks? Sorry,
4: absolutely. Um, I think first first and foremost, I think. Sometimes we view kind of fintech versus banking, you know, the kind of the new guard versus the old guard. And I think that's not the right view at all. I think the view is it's, it's now a financial ecosystem. But like at its core, when you think about fintech, what we're serving towards and what we're working on is working with people's money. First and foremost is people's money, which is probably the hardest thing in the world to trust someone with. And it's always been at the very core of our belief is this concept of trust. First and foremost is trust. So then when you think about maybe some of the fintech startups, fintech scale-ups, what they can offer is innovation. They can move very fast. Um, And I think what what we see a lot, and we spoke about this already, especially with some of the French companies, is they solve real problems that are happening often enough that people will buy and utilize these products. Um banks, you know, more of the kind of, I suppose, i say the high street bank are, are the kind of French equivalent. You know, what they can do is they provide legitimacy, security, experience, great infrastructure, and actually, in, in some cases, are now moving very, very fast towards the innovation standpoint. So with us, we see it's a key partner, you know, for the provision of some of our services. We rely on um, banks, both in the UK and in France, um, so we do really see them as a partner, and I think when you don't when you don't look at that, I think the, the one that that comes to mind, the example of this is, I don't know if, if folks remember probably from what, eighteen months ago, maybe less, is the Wirecard and everything that happened with Wirecard, and I think that proves that we need more innovation and more cooperation between startups and banks. We need to work together to really build not only an ecosystem that solves problems, but also the trust that all people need. So, yeah, I absolutely think that there's a great partnership to be had. And I do think that fintechs working alongside banks is going to be something you're going to see a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I think the future is going to be very interesting as you're going to see fintech companies probably gain more legitimacy, experience, trust as time goes by and banks driving more innovation moving faster as time goes by um which is going to be very interesting i think to think in the future and to be honest to put it very simply the only winner that's going to be there is the customers at the end of the day the customers are going to win because you're going to have i think a great ecosystem for anyone to um for any for anyone and anyone's finances
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, regulation and to what extent the sort of regulation is working in favor of customers and to what extent the regulations are sort of working in favor of traditional incumbents. I mean, GDA, you sort of talked about um, regulation a little bit earlier, and I was remembering back to some of the sort of Fairly protectionist policies, you know, particularly in, the, in French insurance, where it was just very, very difficult for new insurance, new companies to break in. Very difficult for company for consumers to change their insurance provider. And there have been times in the past where the French regulators have been accused of you know, sort of protecting a cartel of established firms. Has, has that changed? Do you think the competitive landscape is open enough for, for for fintechs and new companies to come in and create better new services for customers?
5: i think it it has improved a lot um and again you know what we are seeing in insurance uh, is certainly a very good example there's probably another uh, space uh, that you know we're very interested in and that where i think france is really leading uh, it's the uh, crypto asset you know uh, um, with the the pact law uh, the, the you know what what the europe is trying to do with the, the mica regulation is actually, you know, widely inspired by what the French have been doing. And I think, you know, this is a reflection of, again, uh, in order for those technologies to emerge and be uh, applicable in, in the financial space, which, as was mentioned, you know, is a, a, you know, it's a difficult one. Regulators need to be very careful because, you know, we, no one wants to have a wire card uh, in in its country anymore. So regulators, I think they fully understand now and we, you know, have uh, very uh, uh, good discussions with them on, on how can we innovate. And at the same time, you know, we need to be careful because uh, it's about trust, uh, Patty mentioned it. So um, we need also to make sure that the regulation comes in, not too soon and not too restrictive, but we need to make sure that it comes in so that people trust the fact that the actors won't be doing silly things. And and that's, um, you know, balance to be to be seen. But I think definitely now, uh, you know, any kind of cartel and protection of incumbents is is out of the way. Which is a very good thing. I mean, you know, Sokshan is an incumbent, but we all know that, you know, if it doesn't happen with French actors or even European actors because regulation provides them to do that, it, it will come from somewhere else. I mean, we live in a global world and, and regulation cannot stop uh, innovation. It, it can stop it in some areas but in the end it's you know not an advantage for anyone we need this uh ecosystem to grow and we need europe to be uh leading in maybe not everywhere but some uh innovations
0: so so Clement and Paddy, you've both got different perspectives as a as a, a French business moving elsewhere in Europe and a, a sort of a business from elsewhere moving into France. Do you feel that france is is, is open to open to business and, uh, and it's very easy for international companies to come and or international fintechs to come and set up in france and that, that it's a it's a welcoming market
3: uh, Should I start yeah for sure um, um, it it is um how can I say about that? <laughs> so okay. Too many things. Too, 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 too many things now. Go ahead. Um, f- first of all, uh, from the amount I've been with Trulia uh, um, and us, uh, of course, helping out, I've received tons and tons of emails from regulators supporting us, um, actual uh, financial institutions, like, uh, really to help. I had, like, a politics ones, uh, no, really to help uh, because, again, the more competition, uh, the more innovation it brings to, uh, to the fine people, and actually the relation now is here to protect and to give trust, and to trust, I couldn't back, get back to you again, to Paddy, uh, to trust brings of course usage and, uh, and, and innovation. So yeah. our thing is that uh, we are in two of the markets, finance and insurance, which is kind of the same, but that are really, really touching people deep down with the money. Uh, so um, actually, we understand that the regulation has to be made, and if we can come up with innovative way to moderate it, uh, or of course make it, uh, you know, even go greater, um, that's also our job as well.
0: Excellent. Any any thoughts, Paddy, on any on how you see it, internet operating internationally from France and and the opportunities that creates of expanding across Europe and so on.
4: Yeah, I think the interesting, maybe on the flip side perspective of Clement is um, I was, um, I suppose, Spendesk's first official employee for Spendesk Limited, so our our UK business, um, which we uh, incorporated at the end of 2019. Um, And I've kind of gone with this journey of of really, um, I suppose, getting boots on the ground here, setting up our entity, making sure that we can build on some initial success and with spend we've done this a couple of times so we started from paris of course but we've we've both i suppose built markets both in the uk and berlin in in germany as well of course and i think the way that we did it and the way our learnings from it is it's difficult i think from a product standpoint it can be very difficult to find the right product market fit um based on on companies, especially when it it attends to things like spending money. It's an interesting, you know, with with fintech in particular, it is, um, culture affects it quite a lot. Different countries that we've we've found affect people's relationships with money. Um, You you, you think the US versus um, Europe, it's a very, very clear one. God, we have vastly different relationships with how we view and use money. Um, which which makes a, a challenge an interesting challenge. But even we've found moving from France to the UK, just the differences in, from things from accountancy practices to simple things that, you know, they're just done slightly differently, which makes it a really, really interesting challenge. And what we found works is we explored both markets from our French HQ over about 12 months, small teams working, trying to sell in, understanding, you know, how far are we from that product market fit and then feeding that back in to actually say, right, if we want to move to the UK or if we want to go to Germany, we're going to have to do these three things from a product, from a go-to-market perspective, et cetera, et cetera. So our, our, our learnings have been absolutely positive, but certainly my more advice out there is international expansion is is a little bit like going to war and you got to be prepared for it. You really got to make sure that you're you're kind of investing in in these places in the right ways.
0: I love the differences between different European markets. I mean, we're all Europeans, and yet there are so many little cultural differences from our histories and the way that we do things and the way we, we think. That uh, you know, we think we're all similar, and we are similar, but there are so many little nuances in the way we do things. Absolutely. Okay, so let's uh, let's look forward. Um, where do we expect to see the most innovation in sort of French fintech going forward? Uh, you know, we talked about a, a, a couple of different areas um, like artificial intelligence and so on. We talked about open banking. Where do you where do you think we're going to see the the, the most innovation? And also, perhaps, you know, what would your advice be to f- startup founders who are listening and thinking of either getting started in France or setting up in France? Who'd like, to, who'd like to go first, either with a thought about where we're going to see innovation or um, with some advice to founders?
4: I think um, from my side now, I, I, I'm going to give a biased opinion, so sorry, sorry. Um, but I do, I do think when you look at um, things like fundraising, you look at company growth, you look at um, just exciting companies right now, we are seeing a lot in the business-to-business space. And I think in context of, let's face it, the last 18 months in the world, work is going to change. Work is changing um, from distributed teams to um, different ways of operating, from different ways of forecasting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think France and and some of the um, companies coming from that can be at the forefront of this, like the future of work. Actually, what does work look like in the future? How do we spend money? Maybe in our case, or how do we account for that money? Companies like Penny Lane and, and etc. have been very, really, really exciting in that space. How do we actually, you know, work with employee insurance uh, and all of these different parts? I think you can start to look at the companies coming out of France and saying, actually, the future business could be run very much with a lot of French fintech and products are, um, embedded into it. And I think that's fascinating, and I think it's really, really exciting.
0: Fantastic. Um, Clément, what excites you about the the future of French fintech?
4: Um, uh, many things.
3: Um, f- for sure. In, in f- for First of all, i j- just like to, uh, to bounce on to what Paddy said. For sure, in the B2B space, it's, uh, it's really innovative, and it's going to be like... Uh, going crazy for, for the next years, for sure. Um, but fact is, you know, we have a country uh, of 70 million end consumers on B2C side uh, with like quite some spending money. Uh, of course, we need to do a better habits and actually, you know, evangelize the way we should do it. But uh, French adoption rates for new technologies is really high. Uh, and that goes for like all ages, uh, wherever you come from, um, as long again, I'm uh, sorry to to emphasize on that. As long as you solve real day-to-day problem, um, if you do that, um, th- that's good. On the, uh, where I see the market going, I think Didier, you have the, the best <laughs> eyes in the market and better than I do. But what I like, data is going to be big for sure. But what do you do with this data? Um, do you do you make it uh, financial credit uh, even better, uh, sharper, uh, sooner? Do you do payments the same way we do? You know, uh, we can do pay in payouts within a second now, uh, and that's actually like really, really great. Uh, taking out the the, the skim card uh, s- sometimes, so I'm actually really looking for it uh, for the for the market to, to
0: evolve in this way. Didier, over to you. Yeah, I,
5: I would certainly concur um, using, using data uh, and, and leveraging on data to, to really change a number of you know, paradigms. Uh, um, we're looking, like you know, probably a lot of others, at a, a, what we call alternative lending, which is you know, stop you know, banks have been lending for you know, decades or centuries based on static data from the past. Now you have accessible data, especially, you know, financing uh, e-commerce merchants, financing uh, video game studios. You have, with these streaming platforms, you have live data on exactly what their consumers, their clients of these companies are doing. And if you are able to leverage this data, you can build forecasting models, scoring models that allow you to actually, you know, extend credit within a few minutes uh, to people who would have never been eligible to credit, with the usual you know way of looking at it, so data is is really and leveraging being able to leverage on data and especially real time data and get insights from data is for me you know it's a very wide range. It's not only for finance. Uh, it applies to you know fintech and finance, but it applies to you know uh, health to, to to a number of uh, uh, use cases. So I guess that's, that's one thing, probably, you know, data really and using it well and, and leveraging on it. Um, I mentioned it. I, I think, you know, um, blockchain technology applied to, uh, finance, uh, and, and, crypto assets, not necessarily cryptocurrencies. Uh, We really differentiate, you know, of course, cryptocurrencies are today the major, you know, asset class within the crypto, but you could apply uh, the technology and the DLT technology to regular financial assets. And, you know, doing so, you could drastically reduce the costs and you could open uh, markets and products that are not available to people today because unless you have, you know, Ten thousand euro or even hundred thousand euro to invest, you're not eligible to some kind of products because they're too expensive to process. But if you reduce drastically the processing cost, then you could open, you know, really great uh, uh, financial, uh, uh, you know, products to, to people, and they could really leverage their savings in a much better way. And linked to that, I think, and it's it's not fintech, but um, identity, digital identity, uh, for me is is really, you know. It's something when, I don't know when, but when we'll achieve to have a a secure digital identity that can be shared, that can be used. It's going to, you know, disrupt so many processes that are cumbersome. I mean, KYC here at Money2020, you know, like there, I don't know how many, but tens of uh, startups that are all, you know, enhancing KYC and, right, it's great. It needs to be done. But, you know, what if you were not obliged to go through 20 different kyc processes as an individual through your banks your a mobile operator because you have one identity that you can you know decide to share or share what they need to know about you I think that's that's going to be a great 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 uh, leap forward
0: fantastic so as we say at 11fS you know um, fintech is only one percent finished there's so much more to get done and the, and the future is really bright Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. I would happily talk to you gentlemen all day. I've greatly, greatly enjoyed our conversation, um, but we're out of time. So I need to say thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the great discussion. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. Where can people find out uh, more about you and uh, your companies? Um, Clement, where, where can people find out about you? Um uh-
3: of course on the on the website, for Fort Layer is actually uh really uh, really um easy way to get access to us. Um by the way, we're just happy to be you know the UK's newest unicorn thanks to investment from, from Stripe and, and Tiger uh, this week. So um, if you want to look at us, because of course we are hiring and, and a lot. So please, if you're looking for, for a journey to reshape uh, the financial infrastructure and uh, and get to to work on, uh, on some crazy stuff, uh, please reach out directly to us on, uh, on Twitter.
0: Congratulations. Paddy, how about you? Where can people find out more about you?
4: Yeah, very, very similar. Um, spendus.com uh we're hiring a lot we always interested just to, to speak to interesting people uh so spend us.com best one for spend us for myself paddy o'neill on linkedin is probably the best way to find me uh there might be a few but i think you'll see me pretty easily and yeah we'd love to just continue the conversation on with with whoever
0: would like to and lastly didier
4: uh, pretty much the same so
5: I would say ventures.societegeneral.com <laughs> so do add the ventures otherwise you know you'll see the whole uh, offer of Societe General you might get a little bit lost if you're a startup and you want to get in in touch with us uh, so but very happy to uh to you know have all those contacts coming in uh, of course you know we're looking as a venture arm uh, into investments but as i mentioned since we're looking for you know partnerships and corporation we're also interested to hear from startups that think that you know they could partner on a commercial basis with uh, one of our businesses in Stockchain.
0: thank you so much and you can find me benjamin Ensor, on linkedin or on 11fs.com so thank you so much everyone for listening if you like what you heard subscribe to our podcast And don't forget to leave us a review because it helps to make us better and helps others to find the show. So as always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11 colon FS or fintech insiders or email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Goodbye.